0: Hello and welcome to The Final Whistle with me Steve Forbes and me Kenzie Benali. and it was a dismal night here at St Mary's. The Southampton had dealt a hammer blow in their hopes for Premier League survival. Losing 1-0 to Bournemouth this evening. Now join us to discuss the match. We have Paul Belverston and Dean Hammond joining us once again. Paul we'll come to you first. It's a hard match to open in terms of you know introducing this show. But How would you summarise it? I think
1: that word dismal you used was, uh, was a very good one and Yeah, hammer blow. It feels sadly like a a fatal blow, really, for the season now. I know there are five games left, but Dean quite rightly said before, kickoff, probably need four wins out of six. Now four out of five seems just like the, the mountain of all mountains, really. And the thing that's annoyed me more than anything, it's like we've seen this film before this season. You think Forest and Brighton and Leeds and Palace and Brentford, especially after a very good performance, then following it up. With a rather limp one, and you know, at the end there, we had the the exhilaration of Shea Adams seemingly equalising, and then I was thinking we were in one for another Tottenham. Injury time comes, and you know, there's only going to be one winner here because all the attacking impetus was was going that way. But ultimately, VAR takes that away, and it would have papered over the cracks anyway. It wouldn't have really been a, a fair reflection of the game. It's very easy as a fan, as someone who's never played professional football, to always sort of go in at why wasn't there more urgency? Why wasn't there more intent? Why, why did they look like they, they weren't really going for it? It only takes a second to score a goal. You need patience and things. But ultimately, two shots on target in the game, Neto never really had a big save to make. And that's just one of the many, many big disappointments coming out of that one.
0: Dean Paul summarised that as a fan, but as an ex-pro, is that a bitter
2: pill to swallow? It is, Steve, because I think it's just it's disappointment in the performance. I think you can't control results. If, if if a team plays better than you and they outplay you and they outsmart you, sometimes you have to hold your hands up and just admit defeat. But I think the disappointment and frustration tonight, and it will be with the players as well, that they will feel they've not done enough. Because in moments in the game, they did. There was moments of pressure. There was moments of winning second balls. There was moments of um, asking Bournemouth questions, but it wasn't enough. Paul's just said it, two shots on goal or two shots on target is not enough in a game like this. And the frustration of the next pro is, I suppose I can see the smaller detail, the one-on-one duels that were lost, the second balls that were lost. I can't, it's difficult to accept when you see the opposition players outrunning the Southampton players. That's not a, a real criticism, but it's just a fact. Um, and I think that, that just leads to the fact why you're not creating chances why you're not scoring goals so look, Bournemouth have come with a game plan they've executed really well Paul got it correct before the game they sat in, they played on the counter the ball over the top to Solanke to really, really worked and then they got players in support and created chances from that um, we, I think Shea Adams came on and was fantastic and if he'd played from the start, who knows Stuart Armstrong as well came on, brilliant so maybe we were missing a bit of experience tonight because when they came on they changed the game and what they did and what experienced players do is they're willing to take a risk and they're willing to, to receive the ball even if they do give it away even if they do over hit a cross or a shot that goes over they will continue to get on the ball and try and make something happen and that's what happened with the goal um, so yeah look it's disappointment and we're all, it's all raw it's raw for everyone because it feels like a bitter blow this was the game after such a good performance and the result against Arsenal to then lose to Bournemouth at home at 1-0 without really that amount of shots and pressures is, is the
0: frustration. Well, before we get into more detail on the game, here's how it panned out, courtesy of BBC Radio Solon.
3: Saloon door is opening in the last chance bar, or maybe they've got their pens out to start writing on the wall. But I tell you what, the only thing that stops those things happening is Southampton winning here tonight. And that's a lovely ball in for Walcott, it was like the second goal against Arsenal, and it's saved. Down to his left by Neto, Walcott didn't really middle it, I can't help feeling that was a great chance. Tried to cross the ball back in, blew the chance, Saints. Will they get another one near post, Neto saves corner. There's no flag, Solanke's through on goal, in the box, McCarthy comes out, makes a save, follow-up goes in, easy strike, and then the flag goes up from Solanke's original effort. Matthias Vigne thought he scored again on his second start after scoring on his first against Spurs. Checks back onto his left foot, then curls it in. Free header for Walcott is it, and it skims the crossbar and goes behind, and it got a deflection off someone. He's got Tavenier, he's into the penalty area, trying to line up the defender onto his left foot. He wants it, he's going to shoot low, and it's gone past McCarthy, and Bournemouth do have the lead in the 50th minute at St Mary's. We're getting a little bit of joy down the sides, but yeah. our crossing has been poor. That's a good place, Stuart Armstrong. The and comes onto the ball, and he's weaved past two into Shay Adams, and out of nowhere, Southampton have a goal. Shay Adams has scored in three Premier League games against Bournemouth in a row, and having been missing for four games, he's come back to perhaps be the hero tonight. Oh, Adams. Oh my goodness me oh my it's goodness. offside it's offside on the uh, yeah i can monitor. see everybody i'm afraid and, it's his offside toe that he's offside. AR, and that's it it's ruled out his toe not even his whole
1: toe
2: well, but you've given us your thoughts on the match as a whole but what was your verdict on that first 45 specifically
1: first half again there were flashes there were some positive moments there was positive intent you know you can highlight the fact that the bar and post were hit twice Um, they you know they went at them there was i remember adam armstrong particularly really chasing down closing down putting pressure on but you know these moments really over the course of 45 minutes they were too fleeting the two balls that hit the woodwork never really going to go in the one at the near post it was it was covered by Neto. it was only a sort of a stab shot was never really going to go in you know maybe one in a hundred theo walcott's i think was it deflected and it looped onto the top really um, a big frustration was we talked beforehand about everyone knows bournemouth cannot defend set pieces they've struggled with that all season the first three corners were all short corners at one one of them i think over there they had three players sort of in the corner ready to do it and only two in the box so i'm not a master tactician by any means i don't know what the game plan was i struggled to work out some of the things they changed the shape after was it 20 minutes or something when uh, you know there was a there was a break in play and they they tried a couple of things but for whatever reason it just didn't work and Bournemouth have conceded over 60 goals this season. They've kept a clean sheet
0: here today. That can't happen when you're fighting for your lives. Dude, Paul talks about tactics. Now probably one of the biggest talking points, especially going into the second half, was the substitution of Prousy for Lianko. Now we can only assume it was injury or illness that forced him off at that period of, of time. But what did you make of the formation switch after that change was made?
2: Well, firstly, if, if Prowse has come off in a game like this, it will be because of injury or illness or there, there will be a factor um, because he's such an important player for, for Southampton. The professional is he won't have asked to have come off. I'm sure he wanted to stay on, but the manager's had to make a decision if he is struggling. Um, but the change, Paul's mentioned it. I think sometimes we can all try to be too clever and too smart. And the change of formation and then the change of formation. I I felt sorry for Nathan Niles tonight because he played at right wing back, left wing back, centre midfield. He just looked a little bit confused towards the end. Um, And Bournemouth Bournemouth put a good display on tonight. So I don't want to take too much credit away from them. But it was never fluent for Southampton. We never really got any combinations going. We never really got... It didn't feel... The players didn't look like they were comfortable, whatever formation we are playing tonight. It looked like in moments where we did get the ball forward or we were on the counter attack, players were isolated. They were on their own. There was no chance to play a ball into them to follow, to go around the corner to to then switch play. It was all like kind of, I've got the ball to you. Could you please do something and make something happen because we need someone to to have a spark. And that's what happened when Shea came on. That's what happened when Stuart Armstrong came on because they did running behind, they did demand the ball they did try to make something happen so I think we've seen it quite a bit this season, this is what happens when you've got a young team, it, it's, it can be difficult in moments, when you're up against it um, and you're you have that little bit of confusion you need people to lead on the pitch you need people to take responsibility and and see what's happening in the moment see what's happening in the game and, and sometimes go away from what the manager's telling you go away from what the coach is telling you because you're in there you're experiencing it and maybe do something different it's just it's just real frustration really I mean at times when Chalessa Shah is putting a 50-yard diagonal ball onto Adam Armstrong's head it doesn't add up I can't imagine they've worked on that during the week um, it was hard to get Alcaraz on the ball in whatever formation we were playing again. But I think that was the, uh, the Bournemouth midfield. I think they ushered that out quite well. And then we, we did get the ball wide. It was going to Cole Capitas in a, in a left-back position or Naitland-Niles in a, a right-wing-back position. That's where you want the attacking players um, to be able to take on players in one-on-one situations. So it just didn't work tonight. It just didn't work. And you have to accept that, unfortunately, dust yourself down and go again, but this will be a difficult one to take. Yeah, and just five minutes after that change, of course, the Bournemouth goal came. Elvis, could you talk us through that one, please?
1: Yeah, so one of Gary O'Neill's great strengths, according to the Bournemouth players, is telling them how the game is going to go, what they can expect. He, He basically paints a picture of the game that where they were dropping points earlier in the season was when it all got a bit chaotic in the last 15 minutes. That was the time, you know, you perhaps couldn't, predict what was going to happen. The goal they scored is exactly the sort of goal he would have said this is how we're going to beat Southampton because we're going to sit in. Dominic Solanke who has been mocked mercilessly for his lack of Premier League goals over the last 5 years after being hyped so much. He he was wonderful in the Championship last season as the out and out striker. He is a very good all-round attacking player now. He picked the ball up just inside his own half I think, drove forward played the ball through to Tavernier and then in fairness it looked like Southampton had it all under control. Chalet was out there with him. Tavernier scored a wonderful goal from the corner of the 18-yard box against Fulham a few weeks back where he, he curled it into the, the top corner. This time he again cut back and there were eight, maybe even nine, Southampton shirts in the box. It looked like it was all under control. And he scuffed his shot and somehow it has dribbled its way into the far corner. So it's another one of those real hammer blows that you, th- everything just sinks after that because it was predictable. We knew how Bournemouth were going to approach the game. We knew how they were going to try to score goals. He hasn't hit a worldie and yet suddenly Southampton are 1-0 down and that mountain has grown ever so much more
0: as Paul said right at the start it looked like we were set for a grandstand finish when Shea had the ball in the back of the net marginally offside by a toe it looks like after the VAR review but in saying that as Paul also said two shots on target didn't really trouble Bournemouth in that second period why was that
2: that's a good question Steve yeah um you have to say some credit to Bournemouth they defended well and um, they defended for their lives I'm um, I'm finding it hard not to say. It. I think they maybe understood the magnitude of the game a little bit more and the importance of the game. It looked like that in in their performance. Um, but we, like I say, when we got into wide areas, we we hesitated a bit. There wasn't when um, Nathan Niles was getting the ball on the right hand side quite a lot. He didn't have someone on the inside to maybe play a passing and play for a one-two or so they could turn in or or get an overs or a dummy so then he could go into the front man. It wasn't happening. It was kind of players passing on the responsibility of, well, you've got the ball now, what are we going to do? And one thing I saw out on the pitch, which you, which you get sometimes, unfortunately, is it was quiet. There was no communications. There was no demanding of each other. There was no, right, if he gets the ball in, Nathan, and I was going, I need help. Help me. I'm not going to take someone on one-on-one. So I need a... I need a um, some help I need some an option I need some support so not enough crosses in the box not enough of winning second balls not enough of players willing to take a player on and have a shot and that was the only difference when Shea came on and Stuart Armstrong came on don't get me wrong, Stuart Armstrong came on and 50% of the time he gave the ball away. But 50% of the time he almost created something and did create something. Shea ran in behind, used his body strength to hold the ball up, to, to be able to bring other players into the game. He does that so well and it's, it's a really good finish from him. And unfortunately it's offside and it is just offside. But that's what it came from. It was Lianco got the ball wide, he gave it to Stuart Armstrong and he just put his head down. Moved his body, good balance, good shimmy, cross into the box. She Adams gets into a good position, touch, finish. It's it's really simple when it when it comes off, but I think what it was, it wasn't enough support for players on, on the ball. I've got the ball, here's an option, here's a second option. Just to move Bournemouth around, they would say they could just move across nice and easy. They weren't um, being moved around or getting out of position or stretched. They were quite comfortable moving across all the time. So just a lack of um, variation and creation. But the two boys that came on in Adams and Stuart Armstrong, I thought they were brilliant.
0: Well, let's hear from the manager now. Here's what Ruben Sellers had to say after the match.
3: Yeah, well, I'm very disappointed. Uh, we came here with intention to make a good game, to, to keep the pace up, and then uh, make a good performance. And uh, the first five to ten minutes, we did it. Uh, we tried to play forward, we tried to play the pressure forward. But uh, after those first uh, five to ten minutes, we did, we were not able to, to control. We needed to change shape, and even in the in the second half, uh, until we conceded the goal, we were not really in the game. And then as some other games uh, during, the, during the season, we need to come back, we need to fight back. And I think we, we did, but uh, yes, those margins that uh, again went against us today.
0: I suppose the question now is where does this leave Southampton ahead of their clash with Newcastle on Sunday?
1: One of the last places you want to go really, isn't it? Um, look, it really does look very bleak I don't understand it particularly because you look at all the players as individuals they've all got great quality wonderful talent they're they're obviously super fit three managers haven't been able to get a tune out of them uh, certainly consistently enough and the big problem is here at St Mary's 10 points in is it 17 games 11 defeats only 15 goals you're not going to stay in the division with a home record like that. So going up to Newcastle, who've, who've scored another four goals today, they're absolutely flying. They're, they're looking to finish third, certainly finish in the top four. Already beaten Southampton three times this season, haven't they? So the only sort of positive you can say is that against the bigger teams recently, the Arsenals, Tottenham's, Manchester United's, Southampton, for whatever reason, have put on a show. And, you know, they've picked up points, sometimes even three points. It's an enormous ask. It's still mathematically possible. Of course, no one's going to give up, but I think we need a bit of realism as well. Dean,
0: as Paul said, Newcastle scored four again in a 4-1 win over also relegation contenders Everton. Do you hold out any hope for Sunday?
2: You have to hold out for the hope, Steve. Um, And the players have to believe they have to believe that they can get something out of the game they have to believe that it's still possible for them to stay up because it is mathematically so you you have to you have to be able to get over this result really really quickly Um, put some preparation in for the game against Newcastle it's a really difficult place to go but like Paul said the the players seem to be able to raise their game against the so-called bigger teams, the teams that are fighting for the, for the Champions League, and we have to hold on to that. So, And you have to play for pride, and you have to play for the club, but you have to isolate the game. What can we do in this game? It doesn't matter where we are in the league. We're playing Newcastle United, who are flying at the moment, like Paul said, but there also will be some anxiety there because they're expected now to get into the Champions League, and they'll be expected to win. So, game plan... Build a game plan, um, get the players buying into it and believing in it and go and try and get something for the game. And that's all you can do and take it stage by stage in the game. First 10 minutes, can we get through that? Next 20 minutes, can we get through that? Can we get an opportunity? Can we create a chance? Can we keep a clean sheet? That's what I would work from. Think about, right, can we keep a clean sheet against Newcastle United? Can we do that? Can that be our aim? And if we can, ultimately, Southampton always creates something. And then can we be a little bit more ruthless and get a goal? But who knows? Dean Belver's not an easy one to analyse, but appreciate your company as always. And as ever, thank you to you, the fans, for tuning in and joining us on Saints Live and the final whistle. As we've mentioned, it is a short turnaround ahead of Southampton's clash with Newcastle on Sunday. We'll be live from 12.45 for that one. So do make sure you join us then.
0: See you soon.